welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hey everybody, I am excited to have on the line with me today someone who I bumped into at the ATA trade show in Louisville back in... Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 261, the replay of Winter Turkey Hunting with Rob Keck. And I am your host and the guy who's wondering if he sounds just a little bit older than when you heard him last week. Last week I was a young man. This week I'm an old man having celebrated the anniversary of the world being graced with my presence. <laughs> I had a birthday Sunday and turned the big 49. 49. And no, I don't think I'll be hanging on to it next year. I think I'll just let it roll on over to 50, good Lord willing, and we'll see what happens from there. But I had a great birthday. got to spend some time with my parents course my lovely bride and our son and it was a great day all around so listen i hate to do this to you guys but i am still so far behind at work that i've got to make my part of this week's episode short and sweet for you guys so this week i've got the replay of winter turkey hunting with rob keck where he talks about going to the midwest in January and hunting huge winter flocks of wild turkeys. This is a great episode and it's been a long time since I've listened to it and so I wanted to bring it back to you guys as well just as a little bit of a refresher for you and me of course. So let's get into this. Here is probably one of maybe four or five turkey hunters that need no introduction and that is Rob Keck and I will see you guys on the other side. Early January and in my typical fashion, I'm not afraid to go up and talk to anyone, and this was a familiar face to me just from being a longtime member of the NWTF and watching a lot of hunting shows in my lifetime. And so when I saw the face, I had to go over there and talk to him, and the funny thing is, here comes a stranger up to him chit-chatting, and he just jumped right in and played along with me. So that told me right away that Rob Keck, the former CEO of the NWTF and the current host of Bass Pro Shops 
radio show on Sirius Radio was a heck of a good guy, and so I twisted his arm as much as I can. For those of you who have seen me, you know that Rob's a lot bigger than I am, so I don't know how much arm twisting I could do, but I was able to twist his arm to get him on the show, and I'm excited to introduce Rob to you guys. Rob, how are you today, and where are you? Doing great, Andy. I am back home in South Carolina after a Really long January, as you mentioned, ATA. That was just the start of trade shows, conservation conventions, and just a whole bunch of other things on my schedule. So I've been home this week actually preparing for emceeing next week's Western Hunting and Conservation Expo out in Salt Lake City. I'm sitting here, I'm looking out my back window, I'm watching some turkeys right now up in the backfield, and I couldn't be happier. Good deal. And that's a good way to start your day off right there. Well, it is. And I think anybody that, you know, thrills to the sight and sound of a wild turkey, when when that happens, their day is made. And I know it is for for literally millions of people. And, you know, I think, Andy, a lot of people don't realize that there's folks out there that don't even hunt, but they still enjoy seeing the wild turkey and they enjoy hearing it when it gobbles and you know it it just adds so much to the quality of life for for all americans and you know we as hunters we're going to make sure we take credit stand up and take credit for what we've done and bring it back not only wild turkeys but you know whitetails wood ducks canada geese black bears pronghorns and even our nation's symbol the bald eagle you know we are the first conservationists in this country there is no doubt about that and you know i would put you at the top of that list of those folks who are really pushing the cause and you know your years with the NWTF really moved you up that up to that level but what you're doing now being the director of conservation with Bass Pro just fits right in perfectly with what you started in NWTF and I'll tell you as a lover of the outdoors and a lifetime hunter I thank you for all of your years of service to all of us well thank you Andy I I want to thank the the many people, though, that I was fortunate to surround myself with, volunteers and and staff members and and professional wildlifers, because when I was there, we had a tremendous team that really worked hard in the restoration of the wild turkey all across its native range and, and even beyond. And when you look at the wild turkey in North America, and I'm talking both north of the border and south of the border, you know, we're looking at something that, you know, there were generations that never, ever got to see or hear a wild turkey. And today we are living in the golden years of hunting. And I think we've got to really appreciate where we are and what it took to get here. It took a team effort. It wasn't one guy. It wasn't just me. It was a lot of folks that committed themselves, that had the passion, that emotional gasoline to do whatever it would take to get those birds restored back to some amazing habitat. Very true. Well, before we get into the show, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you first got into turkey hunting. Uh, Well, it was a lifelong uh, ambition, a lifelong endeavor. I I grew up in a family of hunters. But back in the 50s and 60s, not really showing my age, Right, grew up in central Pennsylvania. Ringneck pheasants were king at that time, and the only pocket of wild turkeys was up in north central PA. But as a kid, I would hang on to every word that somebody, my grandfather, my uncles, my dad would say about wild turkeys. And when I was eight years old, the one thing that I wanted for Christmas was a box call, a Louis Stevenson box call out of Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. And, you know, that interest was there from the very, very start. And I guess one of the most memorable starts, you know, everybody thinks about the first thing they've ever hunted. 
Well, when I look at 1963, it was the actually the weekend. It was the, the day that John F. Kennedy was killed. I was on my way up to northern Pennsylvania with my dad and my uncles. We were going fall turkey hunting. In fact, Pennsylvania had fall seasons before they had spring seasons. Right. And we were going up there to hunt. And I can imagine, you know, just remember back to, you know, the the unbelievable occurrence that had just taken place with, you know, the assassination of our president. But it was that next day I was with my dad. We went across the, the creek up on the side. My uncles went over on the other side. We didn't get into the turkeys. I saw a bunch of sign, but I heard my uncle shooting. We went back at lunchtime to the camp. They left a message there, told us where they broke the flock. And that afternoon, I called in my very first gobbler. And it was one of those that just set me on a course that I live with today. And, of course, as time went along, when I was in college, Carl Brown and I and a friend, in, for spring break in 1969, we went to Alabama, went to uh, the Coosa Wildlife Management Area, all oh, yeah. the two gobblers on that hunt. And those were my very first spring gobblers because at that time, Pennsylvania had only had a spring season for one year. And I had a taste of it. I wanted more of it. And spring break just felt the right time. And, you know, went on from there to a teaching position. I was in Perry County, Pennsylvania, and it was what I consider today still the turkey calling capital of the world with many great calls and callers coming from that area. And, you know, I went to listen to some turkey calling contests and I mentored under some some great great examples and fortunately in 74 won the Pennsylvania State Championship went on won some other regional championships then won the US Open and then eventually won the uh, world championship down in Mobile Alabama and so right. that really gave me a jump start and at that time there in, in the mid-70s, NWTF was beginning to, to establish chapters. I was at the very first Pennsylvania State Chapter organizational meeting at State College, and I got to know a lot of, of volunteers that were involved, and then the opportunity came to travel to South Carolina and take on the position of Director of Chapter Development in 1981, was offered the top position, and uh, was the CEO for 27 of the 30 years that I was there. And so it really gave me a chance to to see and hear and really be a part of this new movement of turkeys and turkey hunting. Because when I came to the Federation, there were only 30 states that even had spring turkey seasons. And, you know, we had a, a great challenge ahead of us, but a great team that took on that challenge and completed restoration. And I can tell you, it's just one of the, the, the great memories and, and very fortunate to have been part of. Yeah, that's a great story. And at some point throughout all of that, you decided you were going to dedicate your career to that. So that's very admirable of you. Well, you know, back before he went with the Federation, I was making calls in the basement, just like a lot of other guys. And, you know, I was sort of faced with the choice, move from teaching into call making or moving from teaching into you know, taking on a, a role at the NWTF, which at that time, there were only six people there on staff. And, you know, it was really uncertain how well this uh, organization was going to do. It was amazing. There was a lot of reluctance from uh, existing turkey hunters for the Federation. And it may come as a surprise, but in their opinion, they thought that this organization was going to do nothing but create more turkey hunters and more competition for them. 
And it was a hard sell at the very beginning. So as time went along and as we began to really expand those flocks of birds, then people started to understand that, yeah, there's going to be more turkey hunters, but there's also going to be a lot more wild turkeys. Right, yeah. That's a very neat story to hear about the organization in its early formative years and and those obstacles. That's pretty interesting. The things that, as a turkey hunter, we tend to keep a lot of information very close to our vest, and we don't want to reveal our favorite turkey hunting spots. And I can't tell you how many lies I tell during turkey season. Did you hear anything gobble? No, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. I never hear turkeys gobble at the club, but to be able to show people through proof that you're growing the flocks and giving them more opportunities, and yes, that does free up well the excitement you know, that it created opinion. i mean people were seeing turkeys where they hadn't been for a hundred years i mean it yeah. made news and that was something that i really made a priority i wanted to unlock this best kept secret in the conservation world you know there were a lot of people out there that had no idea where these turkeys were coming from general public thought well they're just raising them on a farm and turning them loose right. of course we know it was wild trap and transfer that made the difference And unlike way back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and in Pennsylvania right up through the 70s, you know, it was pen rear releases that were unsuccessful and a waste of millions of dollars. And, you know, it was only with the advent of the cannon net, which later then morphed into the rocket net, and then into utilizing some, some drugs that were also used in capturing birds and then relocating them into suitable habitat, that things really started to happen. And so we had a tremendous educational challenge in front of us, and even more so an educational challenge on what was it going to take to continue to have birds, to manage them properly. And so I made it a point that uh, we were going to unlock this best-kept secret in conservation. And when I hired Tammy, Tammy Sapp, who was my vice president of communications, we built a staff that told that story. In fact, I'm going to share with you, you know, you mentioned television, and, you know, it was way back in the Nashville Network days, the TNN days. I went to uh, David Hall, who was president of TNN at the time, and I said, David, I want to put a turkey hunting show on the air, and I want to do it in first and second quarter. He laughed at me, and until that time, first and second quarter on outdoor television, which was really limited to TNN and ESPN2, It was limited to just fishing shows. Hunting shows were always in third and fourth quarter. And he said, it'll never work. I said, you don't understand turkey hunting and turkey hunters. Well, he finally relented after repeated requests. And he said, I'm going to put you in the death slot. We'll put turkey call television at 8.30 Saturday mornings. But what he didn't realize was that was the only hunting show on TNN first and second quarter. Well, guess what? Anybody that hunted and had an interest in hunting, they were tuning into Turkey Call. Well, ratings went out the roof. The very next year, we went into prime time. And, you know, I really look back at that period as a time of being a pioneer in outdoor television because we broke the mold, and it was turkeys that did it. And, you know, we were able to tell a lot of great stories, not only hunting, but about the great conservation work that was taking place as well. Right. You know... I would love to talk to you all day long about the, those formative years of the NWTF and what you did to really help, first, first of all, establish the mission and then accomplish the mission of growing the population of wild turkeys. But 
you know, when I bumped into you at the ATA and told you what I was doing about the podcast, and I said, I'd love to have you on the show to cover a topic, and I've got a list of topics we can choose from, and you stopped me and you said, oh, wait, 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 I've got the topic that I want to talk about. I want to talk about winter turkey hunting. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. So seriously, I would love to have you back on and love to talk about what, you know, those formative years at the NWTF, but also what you're doing now with Bass Pro and helping to promote not just wild turkeys, but really all of the game animals that, that you're helping to conserve and really grow populations of. So maybe we can schedule another time to get you back on the show, maybe after turkey season's over. That sounds great. But let's do jump into the winter turkey hunting. But before we do, I want to see if I can talk you into playing along with the rapid fire Q&A that I've started doing several months ago on the show. Go for it. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I've got a list of 30 questions. I'll go through these questions as quick as I can with you. We'll time it and see if you can beat the fastest time that anyone has gotten so far, which is Adam Prouty with Prouty Game Calls, and that's 2 minutes and 53.96 seconds. So he blew through these, but let's see what you can do. All right, go for it. All right, I'm going to start the clock as soon as I start the first question, and we'll just rock and roll through these. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Grilled. Wild turkey, on the rocks? Rocks. (laughs) Number of grand slams? Uncountable. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Yes. Ever killed a Jake? Yes. 10-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour long hunt with a clean miss on a four-year-old? Sure. <laughs> Favorite camo pattern? True timber. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Dinner. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? More. State you killed your first turkey in? Pennsylvania. State you killed your last turkey in? Kansas. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger, or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Run and gun. Rios or Osceolas? Rios. Rios or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Field turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight, or beads? All right. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Snake. Favorite place you've ever hunted? I didn't understand that. Favorite place you've ever hunted? I still don't understand it. All right, let's skip it. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Won't tell. Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Won't tell. (laughs) Out of all the states you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? South Carolina. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Yelp. Best turkey hunter you know? My dad. Favorite turkey hunting book? McElhenney's book. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? My dad. Think of the toughest turkey you ever hunted. Did you kill him? Nope. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Long, sharp spurs. The biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Patience, without. Your most favorite aspect of turkey hunting? Sharing it with kids. How long does turkey season last in heaven and what is the bag limit? Unlimited. Oh, let's see. Rob, I think you killed this. You... Yeah, you did. I've got 2 minutes, 33.58 seconds. <laughs> you beat Adam Prouty by 20 seconds. That is pretty dang strong. Well, I don't know we about did, that, but anyway. <laughs> we did blow through those, but I've got two other questions I want to ask you. Sure. I, the timer's off. The stopwatch is stopped. All right, so remember I went Rios or Osceolas, and you said Rios? Mm-hmm. I said Rios are Easterns. You said Easterns. I said Easterns are Merriams. You said Easterns. Easterns are Goulds. 
Well, that's a that's a tough one. You know, let me let me just say this. I think that any place you go has its unique, beautiful, and challenging characteristics. And I think that it all depends on the given day, your attitude. You know, I love the mountains of the Sierra Madres in Chihuahua and Sonora. But I also love some of the country that you find Rios, Easterns, Miriams in as well. And so, you know, gosh, it, it really it really depends. But I think the most satisfaction comes out of killing the toughest turkey that there is. Oh, yeah. I don't disagree with that. That was fun. I appreciate you playing along with that. Sure. So we are going to talk about winter turkey hunting because I could see that spark in your eye when you started talking about it when we were at ATA. So tell us a little bit about how you first got into winter turkey hunting. Well, first of all, having worked at the Federation and looking at all the seasons on on a big board, you know, I look to see where I can extend my seat, where I could extend opportunities. And of course, growing up as a fall hunter, I've always loved fall hunting, unlike a lot of turkey hunters out there. And when I saw the opportunity in Kansas, when I saw that they ran that season from October 1 to January 31, and it was only closed during the gun deer season, and in one unit, in fact, it's unit two, you could actually legally take four birds. I said, man, I got to try that out. And so when I made that first trip, what really was just so impressive was that I knew there were going to be big wintertime flocks, but I guess I wasn't prepared to handle a flock of 400 or 500 birds. And then beginning to segregate out, look for those adult gobbler groups and seeing 75, 100 or more, it was just awe-inspiring. In addition to that, not only the site, but when you put that many turkeys together, you have never, ever heard so much turkey music in your life. You'll hear every sound that a turkey can make. I mean, from from gobbling to yelping, from challenge purring and fighting calls to lost calls. And all that together just said, man, that is powerful. And I started taking my daughter Heather there. I took friends there. And the thing that was amazing to me was nobody else was hunting. If they were, I never ran into them. And I've done it many, many, many times. And so why wouldn't you want to go back and do that repeatedly. The other thing I found was that if you go after the gun deer season's over, many properties that you couldn't begin to get access or permission to to hunt on, once the deer season's out of the way, those big wintertime flocks oftentimes causing maybe some some damage to to bales of oat straw or what have you, Mm -hmm. you can get on a lot of properties just knocking on the door and asking. And all that combined just had a real attraction to me. Yeah. That's pretty interesting and very true. You know, a lot of states on the western side of the Mississippi that deer hunting, it's hard to get on their properties because they're asked so often. But for birds, whether it's upland birds or turkeys, you can get access to a lot of properties if you go about it the right way by knocking on some doors and asking permission. Well, the other thing, too, in a state like Kansas, there's a lot of those walk-in areas. I think there's over a million acres of walk-in areas. And getting access is not that challenging if you just take a little time and, and do a little homework. And that in itself was unique. But, you know, you asked me about what drew me there. When, when did it start? Well, you know, it's, it's been going on for, I don't know, I can't even count the number of years. But the approach, you know, I had Andrew McKean, the editor of Outdoor Life magazine, on my radio show. And 
he asked me, he said, what do you like best, spring or fall turkey hunting? I said, neither one. It's winter hunting. He said, tell me about it. Well, here's the way I've evolved with this winter turkey hunting. All right, that's all that I've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of the interview with Rob Keck, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. And in order to become a subscriber, what you need to do is text the word Turkey Hunter with no spaces. Text that to the number 44222. After you do that, you'll just need to follow some simple instructions. And eventually, I will email you a link that you can click on to create your username and password for the Podbean application and pay your $18 per year annual subscription fee for the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Your $18 will get you not only the rest of the interview with Rob Keck, but it will also get you all of the premium content for our past episodes, as well as the premium content for the next 52 weeks. There's a bunch of content out there locked up in the premium subscription, and I do not think you'll be disappointed in your $18 investment. All right, I hope that you guys enjoyed the interview with Rob. It was a pleasure for me to have him on the show and get the opportunity to interview him, and it was a pleasure to meet him in person as well when I bumped into him at the ATA show several years ago. But look, it's end of October early November for most of you guys when you listen to this. And I know you're thinking deer hunting, and I get it because the rut is either in for a lot of you guys or it's coming in for a lot of you guys. We still have about three months before the rut comes in for us here in Alabama. So I'm not thinking about deer hunting very much, but you guys are, and I get it. But here's the deal. When your deer season ends, you can still go to Kansas and squeeze in a late winter turkey hunt on public land. And so it's a great opportunity for you to get an early start on your turkey hunting and to get you out of the house. Because come late January for a lot of you guys, you're starting to get a little cabin fever and get a little stir crazy. And you're ready to get out and do something outdoors and this would be a great opportunity to do that so give it some thought do some planning and if you make it happen and you have some success don't forget to email your old buddy andy at andy at iamturkeyhunting.com so listen that's all that i've got for you guys this week i'm not even going to ask you for a favor this week other than come on back listen in next week where hopefully my work life will be getting a a little more back to normal and I'll be able to breathe again. In the meantime, I have to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. 
We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.